God raised Jesus. Why? It's a really important question to answer, isn't it? And that's exactly what we're going to do this evening. However, let me begin by asking you a question. Why have you come along here this evening? Is it because you're inquisitive? You're looking into Christian things? Is it because something that you've always done and you've just come along tonight as always? Is it to meet up with some of your friends? Or is it to meet with the risen Lord Jesus Christ? The one who promises to be here amongst us by his Holy Spirit. Is it to remember his death? To hear about his resurrection? And to learn from him and be changed by him? I'm sure that uh, there'll be many here tonight who uh, have already met the risen Jesus Christ. Who know him personally. However, there may be some amongst us tonight who have yet to meet him. People who perhaps know something about Jesus, but who, like those two people on that road to Emmaus, still confused, unsure about who Jesus is, that he died, but you don't know why he died, and you're not sure that he's risen either. And on top of all that, uh, you really don't think that uh, you can meet him, whether there is a possibility of that happening. Well, my prayer tonight is that as we look at those events of the first Easter, that tonight, on Easter Day 2010, tonight will be our Emmaus Road. When the risen Lord Jesus speaks to us, he speaks into our doubts and maybe our confusion, and he explains to us those events of that first Easter, and he reveals himself to us. So that not only may we believe in him, but trust in him. Maybe for the first time. Maybe once again after walking away from him. We live in quite sceptical times. We may be uh, ourselves like those two travellers on that road to Emmaus. Perhaps foolish and, in Jesus' words, slow of heart to believe. And yet the truth is that Jesus will meet us where we are tonight. He will meet you where you are this evening. And he will open your eyes if you will let him do that. So I wonder, are you ready? Are you willing for him to do that? Because as we look at these events on the Emmaus Road, we will find three challenging reasons as to why God raised Jesus. The first reason is this. It was to end confusion about who Jesus is. There's a lot of confusion about who Jesus is today. A study of 1,006 to 10-year-olds this last week, it was carried out by British Lion Eggs, and it revealed some alarming statistics. 53% of those children were unaware of the religious meaning and significance of Easter. Almost 30% of those questioned thought that Easter was in some ways celebrating Easter Bunny's birthday. And almost one in 20 of those children asked thought that it was to mark Jesus' birthday. If you were to ask adults, perhaps if you went down to Sheffield City Centre tonight, who they thought Jesus was, some of them might say to you, who are you talking about? 
Others might say, well, I think he's a good man, a prophet, a man who could do good things, a man of God. You see, people are confused about who Jesus is. And and they're even more confused to think that he might be alive today. And that was exactly the case for those two travellers on the road to Emmaus. As they were walking and talking that evening about the events of that first Easter, suddenly Jesus joined them. They were kept from recognising him, probably because if they'd recognised him, they'd have thought that they were seeing a ghost. Because the penny hadn't dropped for them that Jesus was going to rise. And so rather than waiting around to hear what Jesus was going to say to them, they'd have been a mile off in a matter of seconds. Jesus, when he joined them, he began to ask them what they were talking about. And it was then that their confusion began to just tumble out. They spoke of Jesus of Nazareth, who'd been crucified two days before in Jerusalem. They were downcast. They were confused because it didn't all make sense. If you look at what they said in verse 19, they thought that he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God. Verse 20, the uh, Jewish authorities, they'd had him condemned and crucified. And it didn't make sense because they thought that Jesus was going to be the one who was going to rescue them from the Romans and from Roman occupation. And furthermore, it was now the third day since that had happened. And it all looked so hopeless. And then to add to their confusion, verse 22, some women had gone to Jesus' tomb They'd found it open and empty. And then some angels had said to them that Jesus had risen. Some men were quickly dispatched to go and find out whether it was true. Because in those days, uh, they didn't take the word of women. And guess what? The women were right. But no one saw Jesus. Confusion reigned. They'd heard the reports, they'd had the evidence before them, but they couldn't make sense of it. Maybe that's you tonight. And the reason why was because Jesus just didn't fit into their expectations. And the result was that they were, they were just ready to write him off. They still respected him, but his death seemed like the end. There are many around the world, maybe some here tonight, for whom the events of that first Easter seem as if they were the end. They seem to be at odds with what Jesus said about himself and with what Christians say about him. And so they, or perhaps you, are ready to write Jesus off rather than to see the reality about him that he is the Christ, God's Son, God himself. I don't know if you watch uh, much TV, but uh, this week the talk has all been about uh, the new Doctor Who, Matt Smith. Uh, I'll just say a few things about uh, that uh, uh, first episode last night in which the 11th Doctor, well, it was called the 11th Hour, and guess what? He has to save the world in 20 minutes. And it, it wouldn't be spoiling the episode to say that, well, he manages it. But, you know, if if you're an avid DW supporter, I'm sorry to have to say this, but uh, Doctor Who is a myth, okay? He doesn't really exist. He is a fictional time lord and saviour of the world. 
Jesus, on the other hand, is the real Lord and Saviour of the world. That is what his resurrection tells us. Those those amazing miracles that he performed while he was alive, whilst he walked on the earth, those told us who he is. He is God. You and I just could not do those things. And the final piece of the evidence is the fact that he rose from the dead. A unique event. No one's ever done that. Many have predicted that they would rise, but they didn't. Jesus predicted he would rise, and he did. But you know what? Because of their confusion, his followers just didn't expect it. If we're honest with ourselves, that's where some of us are still tonight, and most of us have been at some stage in our lives, confused. And Jesus says to us, as he said to those two people, he says, don't be so foolish. Look at the evidence. Don't be so hard of heart to believe, because it's true. And this is where the challenge comes. We have these eyewitness reports before us. We know too that many other people saw Jesus They ate and drank with him. That's what the last reading we had from the Acts of the Apostles told us. Many people, hundreds of people saw him. Many ate and drank with him. He was really alive. So if you don't believe, can I ask you, what is stopping you from believing that Jesus is risen? What is stopping you from believing that Jesus is who he says he is? That Jesus is who his miracles prove that he is. That Jesus is who his resurrection proves he is. None other than God come into our world. Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, wrote in his book these words. If you've got his book, uh, Mere Christianity, it's well worth a read. And uh, he says this on uh, page 52. He says, You must make your choice. Either this man, that is Jesus, was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him, you can kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. Can I say to you tonight, if your choice might have been to write Jesus off, just as those two travellers were in the danger of doing please check out the evidence. Check out the evidence. See into his resurrection. Because you see, as you look at his resurrection, as you look at his life, well, they confirm just who he is. This is the first reason why Jesus was raised from the dead. To prove who he is. The second reason was to explain why Jesus died. To his first followers, Jesus' death didn't make sense. It seemed like the end. Of course, if if Jesus had raised other people from the dead, why couldn't he raise himself from the dead? And in fact, after all, uh, why did he have to die in the first place? And Jesus knew that that was the issue for those two people he was walking with. That was their problem. And so listen to what he said. You may want to look at it on that uh, sheet in front of you, verse 25. He says, How foolish you are and so slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? 
And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Concerning himself. You see, Jesus is clear that those two people should have known better. It was all in the script. And Jesus had given them the script before it happened. There should have been no surprises when Jesus rose. He told them the whole story beforehand. And nevertheless, uh, Jesus begins to explain it all to them again. And he uses this. He uses this, or at least the, the Old Testament part of the Bible. Parts of the Bible that were written hundreds of years before Jesus himself came into the world. The New Testament parts of which we read tonight, those record and explain what happened when he came into the world. We had those readings from Matthew, from Mark and from Luke. The New Testament also tells what happened after Jesus came into the world, after he died and rose again, and what Jesus will do in the future. We had that reading from Acts. That was the final reading we had. And then there was the first reading we had from the Old Testament, from Isaiah chapter 53. And it says these words about Jesus. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. These verses predicted what Jesus would do as he died. They said not only that he would die, but he would die on our behalf. Jesus, as he died on the cross, was dying for you and for me, for our transgressions and our iniquities. If you want those words explained, it's quite simple. It's, it's the ways in which we live our lives our way. We say to God, mitts off, I'm in charge of my life, and God, I don't want to give you a look in. Well, I might give you a bit of a look in, but I'm, I certainly won't let you have the top spot in my life. It's all those times that we don't love him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind and with all our strength. And when we see it like that, you know what? It's very obvious that each of us are transgressors. Each of us have failed. Each of us is a sinner. And the problem that is about sin is that sin comes between us and God that's what Jesus would have been explaining to his fellow travellers on that road to Emmaus. It's what Jesus explained constantly when he was preaching and teaching before he was killed. That left unsorted, sin will cut us off from God in this life and in eternity. It's what the Bible calls hell. It really exists. Jesus knew all of this. He explained all of this to those two men who were walking with him. That he'd come to die, it was all part of the script. And that he'd gone, so to, gone to die to provide a means of rescue for us. You see, Jesus' death wasn't a failure. It was victory. And that victory was proved as Jesus rose from the dead. It's often been said that uh, carrots help you to see in the dark. 
Uh, you may think that it's, it's a wives' tale, but uh, it's actually been proven to be uh, quite helpful. Only quite helpful. If you really want to see in the dark, then you need to invest in what people call these days night vision goggles. If you're a pilot at night, you use them. If you're in the army at night, you use them. And I can tell you, they really do the job. They really let you see in the dark. But they come at a cost, which is why most of us haven't got them. Well, the same is true with uh, trying to see who Jesus is and why he died. We need help. And help is at hand. Jesus helped them through the scriptures and he will help you and I in and through the scriptures. He will help us by the work of his Holy Spirit. You know, when Jesus uh, rose from the dead, he was around for 40 days. And then he ascended back to heaven and where he reigns now. But he sent his Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, and he promised that through that Holy Spirit, through him, we could meet God personally, Jesus personally. He's here now. He's at work in our hearts. He's opening our eyes so we can understand the truths of that first Easter. He's causing our hearts to burn inside, just like the hearts of those two when they were with Jesus on that road to Emmaus. That's why we look at the Bible tonight, to understand who Jesus is and why he died, so that God can be present and work in us. That's why in a course called Christianity Explored, we look through Mark's Gospel. Mark is just one of the accounts of Jesus' life. And people meet Jesus as he literally walks off the pages of Mark's Gospel. So if you want to know the truth about Jesus, look in here and ask God to open your eyes by his Holy Spirit. The actor David Suchet, he's the one who uh, plays Hercule Poirot in the ITV version of uh, the Poirot uh, series. And uh, he was one lonely night, he was in a New York hotel, and he came across a Gideon's Bible beside his bed. And he began to read it in the bath. He turned to uh, the, Paul's epistle to the Romans, and as he began to read, he found himself convinced of who Jesus is, that he's alive, and convicted of his need to be saved. Suchet turned to Jesus that night as he met him. And he believed and trusted in his death for the forgiveness of his sins. So how about you? Do you believe that Jesus died for you? Do you believe that he died to save you? If you don't, please, can I, can I suggest you check it out? Perhaps ask me afterwards for a copy of Luke's Gospel. We're looking at just part of it tonight, chapter 24, but there's another 23 chapters to look at, and I'd be very pleased to give you one of those. Check it out, because you know there's no other way by which we can be saved, no other way by which we can be set right with God and avoid hell. If there was, do you think Jesus would have come and died that first Easter, endured the pain of the cross, of course he wouldn't. So God raised Jesus, firstly to end confusion about who Jesus is, second to explain why Jesus died, and then third and finally, to enable people to meet Jesus. 
You know, it can be very easy to think, I've thought it a number of times, if only I'd been there with those two travellers, if only there'd been those two chaps and me and Jesus, then my faith would be a lot stronger. Or perhaps if you're not someone who would call yourself a Christian here tonight, if only I'd been with them and walked along the road to Emmaus with them and with Jesus, then I really could believe. But you know, in reality... We don't need to envy them at all. To be sure, Jesus, well, we can't see Jesus physically present here amongst us in his resurrection body. That's not the normative Christian experience, although it can happen. And of course, that's really good because if Jesus could only be in one place at one time, then only a few of us could be meeting with him. And yet, as I've said already, uh, Jesus, when he ascended to heaven again, to reign in heaven Well, he sent his Holy Spirit, we said that just now, to warm our hearts, to open our eyes as we search the scriptures, as we seek to know him. That's what happened to me uh, just over 22 years ago, at the beginning of February, when I was 19. I've been to church all my life, and uh, I thought that God was up there, and I was down here. And I couldn't understand how the two of us were going to meet. But then as someone explained to me from the Gospel of Luke, explained to me who Jesus is, that he was indeed the Lord God and my Saviour. My heart beat beat faster. I knew it was true. And that night, I believed in him. I accepted him as my Saviour and I received forgiveness of my sins. And I started to live my life his way knowing that he lived in my heart by the Holy Spirit. You know the truth, you too can know Jesus like that. If you're prepared to look into the scriptures and believe the truth that you find there and obey it, then your life can and will be changed just as those lives of those two people with Jesus were transformed, just as the lives of those disciples in the first century AD were transformed when they realised that Jesus had risen just as the lives of millions and millions of Christians through the years have been transformed as they met the living Lord Jesus Christ. You know what happened to those two people that were with Jesus? Look down at verse 31, sorry, 33 with me. As Jesus opened their eyes, they got up and they returned at once. That word there is immediately. Having gone and walked all the way seven miles to Emmaus, They sprinted straight away back to uh, Jerusalem and they went straight to the other believers in Jesus. And as they arrived, people said, yeah, Simon's met Jesus, do you know? And they were able to say, yes, we've met him ourselves. You see, Jesus was raised. We can meet him. Well, it's time for me to close. But before I do so, just a word of caution You may be thinking as you sit there tonight, I'm okay, I'm all right, I don't need no saviour and I certainly don't want somebody else running my life for me. I've got a boss at work, I've got a husband or wife, I've got children who run me round ragged and the last thing I need is God. Well, if that's you, please look with me at the bottom paragraph on that uh, white slip. It was that final reading that we had read to us from the Acts of the Apostles. 
Let me just read to you from verses 43, sorry, 42 and 43. Jesus commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge over the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. There are many people who we might like to meet in this life. There are many people who we may have arranged to meet even this week. However, there is one person that we are guaranteed to meet in the future. And that is Jesus Christ. It might be on our way home tonight. It might be in a car crash. It might be tomorrow. It might be next week, next month, next year. It might be next decade. We don't know when we're going to die. We don't know when we're going to come face to face with Jesus, the judge. But one day on that final day, be assured of this, you and I will meet him face to face. And he will judge us. His judgment of us will depend on one thing alone, how we have chosen to treat him in this life whether we've turned to him and accepted him as our Lord and Saviour in repentance and received the forgiveness of our sins. You see, if our sins on that final day are still outstanding, if we haven't asked Jesus to pay for them, then Jesus will have no option but to make us pay the consequences ourselves. We have a choice here even tonight to believe in Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, so that we will be ready to face him as judge on that final day. Jesus knows that day is coming. That's why he came into the world. That's why he died for you and for me. So what are you going to do about him? To the Christians amongst us, two responses, I think, perhaps. Firstly is to give thanks. Give thanks that Jesus was raised, that he is your Saviour, and he is reigning now. Second, run and tell. Run and tell, just as those two travellers did. Bring people to events like tonight. Tell them that Jesus is alive. And to those of you who perhaps are still just sitting on the fence, can I say there is no fence? You're either in or out. Those people who brought you along here tonight... Or perhaps those people who knocked on your door these past few weeks and invited you to come along. You matter to them. That's why they have brought you here tonight. So that you can hear these truths. Can I urge you to take stock? To see these reasons behind Jesus' resurrection? And do one of two things. Either here tonight, turn to him. Believe in him and be saved. Maybe your heart has just been beating that bit faster as tonight's been going on. That's Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, at work in your heart. Knocking on the door of your heart, saying, let me in, let me in. I want to meet with you, to know you and to save you. Either that, or secondly, at least resolve to investigate further. Please don't put it off. Because death, you see, is not the end. Jesus' resurrection proved that. There is eternity. And we will spend it in heaven with him or in hell.
Let's just spend a moment of quiet and then I will pray. Let's just think about our response to Jesus, the risen Saviour and the reigning King.